You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Good evening and welcome. Tonight I bring you some ghastly gas station stories that will more than likely put anyone off working in a gas station, especially the night shift. From my own personal experiences, Night shift tends to be when crazy comes out to play. Some would argue that perhaps it could be the sleep deprivation playing tricks in their minds, but I'll let you be the judge of that. With that said, let's begin. The gas station gig isn't the job of my dreams, but when your diet becomes nothing but a steady stream of top ramen and tap water, you take what you can get. Thing is, the gas station I work at is, well, different. For starters, we don't sell any brand you'd recognise. There's brands like Po-Chips and Drink. Some are written in a language that I don't recognise. We're allowed to eat whatever we'd like though, so I've tried almost everything. I do not recommend a drink. We don't get very many customers on the night shift, but the ones we do, our regulars, are, well, off. Like played shirt guy, who comes in about once a week and buys the same map every time. He's also always in the same plaid shirt and Mr. Freeze, who comes in sporadically but always stares at the frozen section. He doesn't do anything else and no amount of interaction will break his focus. He leaves after about 30 minutes. When he first started coming in, my co-worker Jude and I used to take turns asking if he needed help finding anything. Now we have a competition to see who can balance the most snack cakes on his shoulders before they fall. I currently hold the record at 8. Jude and I are definitely unlikely friends, as he's a 40 year old something man built like Frankenstein's monster, and I'm a 28-year-old woman who frequently forgets she's an adult. He's been working here longer than I have though, and showed me the ropes when I first started. He even talked me off the ledge of quitting after my very first shift. I'd had my first experience with the trash and after vomiting profusely, I was ready to go. That's the other thing about the gas station. Yeah, the customers are pretty weird, but the place itself does things. Really weird things. The trash is one of them. We have to take it out every night, at 5 minutes to midnight. Can't do it sooner, and we're fucked if we do it any later. It fills to the brim with a grotesque compilation of maggots, centipedes, and other abominations that probably crawled up from hell itself. Our job is to take the bag, or bags depending on the night, and deliver it to the edge of the parking lot. Jude says the trash man comes to collect it, but I've never seen him. Jude says I should be glad. Last shift started as usual. Jude was already there when I clocked in, and I tossed my backpack in my locker and made my way behind the counter to watch a telenovela Jude always had playing on the mini-TV stashed behind the counter. We usually pass the time this way, and even though we can't speak the language, the drama is always understood. It was about 11.45 when they arrived, a family of four, mother, father and two kids. We could hear them from the parking lot, the father's booming voice overtaking the mother's light, even tone. Jude and I exchanged a curious look and reluctantly I turned off the mini-TV. The bell above the door rang its shrill song as the father pushed the door open. Mother followed next and behind her a little girl and a little boy with a beagle and a blue collar that danced around his feet, nearly tripping him. 
Stupid dog, the father scolded as he grabbed the boy by the back of his shirt to save him from falling. Adam, the mother scolded. With their slick hairstyles and 70s style clothing, they looked incredibly out of place in the lobby. Jude and I glanced at each other again. We'd never seen any of them before. Excuse me, the father Adam approached the counter. We can't seem to find our way back to the highway. Would you be able to give us directions? We have an excellent collection of maps, Jude offered, motioning to the display rack, as Adam used his wife and daughter stepped up. Where's your lavatory? the woman asked, her tone urgent as the girl in front of her shifted her weight from foot to foot. Rachel, really? I wanted to be out of here in a jiffy and back on the road. Adam's tone was condescending as he addressed his wife. Rachel rolled her eyes. Dawn needs to go, she replied. It's just down the hall, second door on your right. I pointed and Rachel nodded, ushering Dawn along. I turned to Jude, wanting to ask if I should warn them about the woman in the bathroom, but he was preoccupied with Adam's questions about the map. Rustling drew my attention to the little boy and the dog who were rooting around the shelves, searching for snacks. Dad, I want these, the boy whined. Adam ignored him as he glanced between two maps, trying to make a final decision. The boy gathered up an armful of snacks and shuffled up to the counter, the beagle on his heels. I'll take this one, Adam slid the map towards the register as his son released his cache of snacks onto the counter. And those two. While Jude began ringing up the items, I slipped from behind the counter and walked briskly to the women's restroom, bracing myself before opening the door. I was surprised to see Rachel and Dawn at the sinks, washing their hands. They were surprised to see me peeking through the door too. Uh, I just wanted to make sure everything was okay, I called out, scanning the restroom for anything abnormal. Rachel chuckled nervously as she dried her hands, but Dawn stared bewildered as water continued to run into the sink. I sheepishly slipped out of the bathroom, relieved the woman decided against rearing her ugly head tonight. Well, it wasn't really ugly, but that was beside the point. Customers interacting with her never turned out well. My relief only lasted a moment though. I made it to the start of the hallway and saw a dark figure pressed against the front windows. My veins turned to ice. Jude? My voice was barely above a whisper, but Jude turned to me, then followed my gaze to the window. Trash man, he gasped. Oh shit, I replied. Then the power went out. I'd never seen the trash man before. If I'm honest, part of me wasn't sure if he existed. As well as it was, the bug spontaneously manifested in the trash. It just seemed improbable that someone was coming to pick them up from the edge of the parking lot. I thought Jude was fucking with me. I should have known better. I squinted to read the clock face above the drink section. 12.07. We were late. Jude vaulted over the counter, kicking the map and snacks onto the floor as he raced to the front door, arms outstretched to help him navigate the darkness. Adam and his son yelled in protest, but Jude was on the move. As soon as I saw the panic kit in his hand, I knew shit was about to hit the fan. He pulled salt from the bag in a flash and poured a thick line of it in front of the door before turning to face the trash man. The power outage extended to the parking lot, and without those lights I could barely make out his dark, looming figure as he stood fixed in the window. He wore some sort of hooded cloak that obscured his face, and his frame was enormous, easily twice the size of Jude. Malice exuded from him. What's going on? Rachel demanded as she and Don exited the restroom. She briskly walked past me to join her husband and son at the counter. Don lingered next to me, her eyes wide. That's what I'd damn well like to know, Adam said indignantly. That should hold him for now. Jude's voice was confident, but his distraught expression was concerning. 
Well, who the hell is that? The boy asked, his tone reminiscent of his father's. Gregory, Rachel scoffed. A brief smirk crossed Adam's face before he placed his hand on Gregory's shoulder and pulled him close. A loud clunk broke the silence and Jude and I locked eyes. I'll get it, I said softly before turning and walking down the hall to the manager's office. No one's seen the manager before. He doesn't leave his office and no one goes in. He communicates through notes that he slides through the mail slot in his door. Their delivery signalled by the solid clunk of the flap closing. While I'd never seen one before, Jude realised that we follow all directions from the manager. I agree, but mostly because I'm pretty sure he signs our paychecks. I could hear Adam and Jude arguing as I rounded the corner. I had no idea how Jude was going to explain any of this, but I was glad I didn't have to. I picked up the paper and read the manager's instructions. Fuck. When I returned, Trashman had disappeared from the window. The family had grouped together against the front counter while Jude paced in front of the door. He stopped when he saw me. What did he say? Jude asked. What did who say? Adam barked. I swallowed hard. The manager says we need a sacrifice. The beagle whined. Shut up, Zipper, Adam roared. The dog, along with the kids, shrank back. Rachel stepped forward. Can I speak with this manager? She asked. I'm sure if we had more information, this could be an easier process. To hell with that. This doesn't have anything to do with us. We're leaving. Adam grabbed the map from the floor and marched towards the door. Jude blocked his path. You can't go out there. The hell I can. I don't know what kind of con the two of you are running, but my family and I are leaving. He's hungry and he's hunting, okay? We have to stay here and figure out what the manager meant. Adam shoved Jude hard, cutting his speech short. Honey, wait, Rachel cried. Both kids were clinging to her now. Damn it, Rachel, not now, Adam bellowed. He pushed past Jude and held the door open. All of you out. I'm still not sure if it was the tone of Adam's voice or the word out that sent the little beagle scrambling for the door. I had a sneaking suspicion that he was quite accustomed to the volume. Either way, he took off at breakneck speed and barreled through Jude's legs and out the door onto the void of the parking lot and certain death. Zipper no, Gregory cried. I think we were all still in shock from Zipper's jailbreak, so much so that when Gregory broke free from his mother's grip and sprinted for the door, no one reacted. One moment he was there, the next we were watching his sneakers disappear into the darkness. Rachel's scream was heartbreaking as she called out her son's name. Jude slammed the door and leaned his body against it, his breathing quick and shallow, his face contoured with regret. Rachel collapsed to the ground, sobbing. Dawn held onto her mother's dress with a white knuckle grip. Adam was rooted to the spot. A blinding flash of light signalled the power being restored. The parking lot was empty. No signs of Trashman, Gregory or Zipper. Jude took a deep breath, then made his way behind the counter. Rachel, Dawn and Adam blinked and looked around in confusion. Did you want anything beside the map, sir? Jude asked. I stared at him in disbelief. Adam looked down at the map in his grip then back to Jude. No, no, I don't think so. His voice sounded far away. Rachel and Don shuffled to join him in front of the door. Thanks for stopping in. Safe travels. Jude sounded almost mechanical in his farewell. The family nodded hesitantly. Adam opened the door for them to leave, and much to everyone's surprise, Zipper the Beagle came scudding in through the door. Oh, thank God, I sighed. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A silver lining. The family just looked to me as confused as anyone could be. Your dog, Zipper. Oh, we don't have a dog, Rachel said softly. Dawn shook her head in solidarity. Adam cleared his throat and mother and daughter shuffled out into the parking lot. But your son, I asked, a twinge of desperation in my voice. Adam's brow furrowed as his confusion turned to frustration, then he followed Rachel and Don out. They won't remember, Jude's voice broke the silence that followed Adam's exit. Zipper sat at my feet and whined. I knelt down and picked him up gingerly. He had no signs of being hurt, though he was missing his collar. So that's what happens when you don't take the trash out, I said. Jude nodded and turned on the mini-TV before gesturing to the mess of snacks on the floor. And someone needs to clean that up. Alright, let me just try to recall this as best as I can. It happened a while back, and I try not to think about it more than I have to. For starters, I used to work in a gas station, but I suppose the title made that obvious enough, I guess. It wasn't a place in the middle of the city, but it wasn't way out in the countryside either. It was one of those awkward in-between areas, where mostly it's just low-end houses, fast food joints and gas stations like the one that hired me. The station was on a two-lane road that wasn't far from a major highway, and we get a lot of people stopping in for gas who are on their way to the beach for the weekend, or just passing through on their way to cities around us. Typical of any gas station like the one I worked at, if I do say so myself. But you see, that was during normal hours. Once the sun went down, oh, that was when the fun really started. That was when all the freaks showed up. Late at night, all the shadier customers would show their repulsive faces. Drunks would stumble through the doors and keep on going right for the back wall, where we kept all the alcohol. Teenagers would slink in, trying to buy cigarettes. I'd ID all of them, and some of the cards they showed me looked fake. Some didn't. To be honest with you, I didn't really care. If they wanted to wreck their health, it was their business. Potheads would wander in, too, and load up on chips and ice cream. Oh god. Oh god. The ones who would buy ice cream were a funny bunch. More often than not, they'd ask for a spoon with their ice cream, and we only had the crappy plastic kind. I had one idiot stand there for 20 minutes trying to scoop the dessert into his mouth with one of those bendy spoons. One time, a guy shoplifted the store right in front of me, around midnight. Then he walked outside, called the cops on himself, and just stood there in the parking area waiting for them to show up. I had followed him outside and asked him what his deal was. He looked at me and said he was just wanting a place to sleep for the night. I hadn't expected that but I told him that if he wanted to sell the story, then he should keep on running. That he did. He walked off the property and down a small road. I heard sirens not long after. But I suppose I should tell you about the big one, the fucker who made me quit that job. I have a tendency to ramble, and like I said, I try not to think about this guy. It was another graveyard shift, another night of my life spent behind a cheap wooden counter. I was pissing my life away, but I was doing it for some money, so it was all good. And I was better off than most of the people who walked through those doors anyway. It was 2.20am or so. I remember staring at the clock in boredom, 
watching the two dots of the display tick on and off as I counted the seconds. That was when I heard the bell over the door, and I looked up to gauge the person who had just stepped into my little world. He was only a little over five feet tall, and looked like he could easily be fifty years old. His skin was rough and saggy, his arms and legs were dotted all over with tiny white hairs, matched by equally white hair which hung down in long reams from his head. It was scraggly and matted together. You know how hair gets if you don't take a shower for like two days. This guy looked like he had spent two weeks without any good graces of any shampoo. He slowly walked his way over to the counter, mechanically, like each step was a deliberate action. Finally, he made it over to me, and he thumped his hands onto the counter for support. His hands were crisscrossed with viscerous veins. They looked like cracks in broken glass. Lines of a black grit ran underneath the edge of his fingernails. He finally opened his mouth to speak and gave me a good view of his slimy yellow teeth. Fucking disgusting. He asked in a croaky voice where our bathroom was, and I just pointed sternly towards the back corner of the room. There was a little hallway which held doors to the storage rooms and one small bathroom. He lumbered off in the general direction, and I silently thanked God that the beard was out of my face. I heard the door click shut. Once again, I was by myself, for the most part. The station was silent for five minutes, then ten, fifteen. It started to get weird how long this guy was taking in the bathroom. If this were a normal looking guy, I wouldn't have questioned it, but the man in there was anything but normal. As the twenty minute mark approached, I journeyed out from behind my counter and toward the bathroom. I knocked on the door a couple of times and asked if the guy needed any help. I heard him mumble from the other side that he was fine, but he didn't sound at all fine to me. I wasn't about to argue with him though, so I just walked back over to the counter and sat down in my chair. Another ten minutes went by and the guy still hadn't come out of the bathroom. I was getting agitated at that point. Eventually I started hearing a noise. At first I couldn't really tell what it was, but it didn't take me long to figure it out. I was hearing moaning. I started walking back to the bathroom once again. This time I could tell as I neared the door that something wasn't right. It sounded like the man was in pain, maybe even afraid. Sheepishly, I knocked on the door once again, and for a while I didn't get a response. But eventually the man manages to choke out two simple words. Help me. His moaning was getting louder and turning to yelling. I started hearing banging coming from inside the bathroom. I could even feel it shake the floor just a little. I went for the knob, but of course the man had locked himself into the bathroom and hadn't got around to actually trying to unlock it. I was panicking a little bit. I didn't know if this was just a bad case of the runs or something like that, or if it was something more serious. I started to think that the latter was true, but there was a rancid stench that was beginning to make its way out of the bathroom. It could have just been some horrible diarrhea, I thought. I shuddered a little bit at that. I shouted at him to open the door. He had to unlock it if he wanted help, of course but he wasn't listening to me. He had started babbling some incoherent nonsense about how he had to keep the door locked because he was only safe in that room. They were coming for him, he said. I kept shouting at him to unlock the door, but he was off on a horrible tangent about how they were coming for him and how they had finally figured him out. All the while, his slurred speech was punctuated by cries for help. He just kept shouting for help. I kept hearing banging and I was freaked out in that moment. I didn't figure I had the time to call the cops or anything like that. The man's speech was trailing off and he sounded like he was in a very bad way. I'd like to say that I didn't freak out, that I knew what to do and handled the situation in a, well, respectable way. But I did none of that. 
I spent the next probably five minutes pacing in that hallway, my hands pressed to my head in desperation while I tried to think of something, anything. The man's yelling and flailing had stopped, I noticed, and I was desperate to do something. Finally, I was struck with inspiration. I went into the storage room next to me, and I grabbed a rolling dolly that we used to move some of the heavier crates around. Then I rushed back into the hallway, and with all the force I could muster, which must have been a lot thanks to adrenaline, I bashed the door wide open. The smell that hit me almost made me throw up right there and then. I dropped the rolling dolly and stumbled away from the room, gagging. I almost fell over, but I steadied myself in a wine shelf. I had to take a moment to catch myself, and I felt like I was going insane. It really struck me then that I needed outside help, so I did what any sensible person would have done a while back. I called the police. I assumed the worst. In the moment I saw the man, it had looked like he was certainly dead. He was sprawled out on the tile floor, half-heartedly resting against the wall. His back was slumped down, curving in the space between the wall and the floor. His knuckles were very bloody, and pock marks in the wall, which were also licked with blood, made it fairly obvious he'd been punching around. It was obvious enough where the smell was coming from. The bastard was sitting in a putrid film of brown liquid. Yeah, he'd shit himself. He wasn't even on the toilet for Christ's sake. I mean, fucking hell. I was still in the line with the police. I did my best to describe the scene to them. As much as I really didn't want to know what happened to that guy in the bathroom, I figured he could still need help. I announced to the operator that I was going to go back in. I held out hope that he was alive, but feared otherwise. I guess I really went back into the hallway just out of morbid curiosity, more than anything else. I had to pull up my shirt and cover my face with it to keep the smell from overpowering me. It didn't really help too much. The guy had a yellowish powder all around his nose and his mouth, as well as little froth at the corners of his lips. His eyes were bloodshot and glazed over. I said to the operator that it looked like he'd overdosed on some drugs. I couldn't take it anymore, I had to go outside for some fresh air. I was feeling groggy and mortified and slightly depressed. A man had just died next to me for God's sake. At the most, I was out there for five minutes. I could already hear sirens when I stepped into the cool night breeze. Only five minutes. But here's the thing. Here's what really messed me up bad. When the police arrived, they asked me to show them where the incident had occurred. An ambulance was there as well and the paramedics were getting their equipment. I led them all the way to the back and it still smelled horrible. There were still punch marks on the wall and there was still some of that drug powder dusted around the floor. But the man who'd been laying there was gone. He was just fucking gone. Like he hadn't even been there. I don't mean he was gone in the sense that he got up and left. There wasn't any bootprints. No streaks of liquid on the floor. No handprints on the walls. There was none of that. It was like he had just vanished. I can't explain it. I don't want to know what happened that night. I quit a few days later. I couldn't keep going back there, not after all that. You know, the things that guy said keep replaying in my head. All those things about how they were coming for him. God help me. Thank you for making it this far, I hope you enjoyed. Leave a like if you enjoy gas station stories, as it's not something I do very often, and lets me know if you guys are enjoying them or not. With that said, I'll catch you all in the next one. Thank you.